Whether you're an alien visitor from another planet or someone who's spent all of their life planted firmly here on Earth, you need a way to listen to your podcasts on your Android device. And a good one to check out is the Podcast Republic app on the Google Play Store. You don't have to take my word for it. There are thousands of good reviews, certainly some of them by androids and aliens from other planets, uh, if I'm guessing. Uh, Mostly humans also. Uh, who all like it for various reasons, and they can tell you all about it. Check out the Podcast Republic app on the Google Play Store. Welcome to Dissecting the 80s. I am Trip Lano, one half of the Mega Podcasting Powers, and with me, as always, is my tag team partner, a man who, unbeknownst to me until recently, is actually just a ball of light, the Macho Mandrew. Andrew Lano. Uh, sometimes ball of light, sometimes horrifying looking glowing alien. Yes. Uh, I kind of like the glowy alien. It's like the good kind of bad. You know what I mean? No, it was too like endearing to me. It was creepy as hell. (laughs) Uh, we watched a movie celebrating its 35th anniversary. The Steve Gutenberg Wilford Brimley vehicle cocoon. So you know what that means? And Donna Michi. Oh, yes, Don Amici. I'm not trying to let anybody... There's plenty of great people in this movie. It's just that this and Trading Places were like the Don Amici renaissance. Yes, the Amici-sance. In any case, we watched Cocoon, so you know what that means. We gotta go back. We gotta go dissect the 80s. It's your mom's book club's favorite director. Something's gonna happen about your mom's book club's favorite director. When the mega powers explode. I'm talking about the 80s. Yes, I was texting you while watching this, and I'm not going to sing it on the air because, you know, I'm not a singer, but uh, the, the, the gist of it being it goes to the tune of Ghostbusters, and it's something akin to when your blockbuster just seems too fun. Who you gonna call? Ron Howard! Because, man oh man, this is like, this is the keystone of our entire Ron Howard beef. This is it. This is... When your comedy has too many jokes, who you gonna call? Ron Howard! This, this is it. This is the Rosetta Stone, the, the keystone, the, the, the foundational text of the reason that we dislike Ron Howard. They took a much more interesting director off this project. They gave it to Ron Howard and you Wait, got really? the Ron Howard wallpaper results. Yes, that's part of the reason I want to talk about this. One is it was an anniversary and I'd never seen it. And I think this is interesting. But part the other thing that I find so fascinating about this and is the reason I really want to watch it. This movie was supposed to be directed by Robert Zemeckis. Oh my god, it would have been so much better. I know! But, so, okay. Oh, he was too busy with Roger Rabbit, wasn't he? No, no, it's it's crazier than that. I'll 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 relay the story because this is the, this is a, like a nugget that I had ch- like stowed away for for this podcast, knowing that one day we would do Cocoon. Um, so Zemeckis directed uh, a movie in the seventies called "I Want to Hold Your Hand," which I have not seen, but it's like about Beatlemania. It's a fictionalized version of the Beatles playing Ed Sullivan, which I've not seen, but got very good reviews. Although audiences did not care for it. Then he directs Used Cars, which we just recently did on the show. And I think you agree is like a good movie. Not great. Yeah, it's perfectly fine. Yeah. Enjoyable. Uh, 
Yeah, but has some interesting things happening in it, has some like competent direction, you know, and all that. So he makes those two movies, both of which are critically acclaimed, but not very successful in terms of audience. Then he's working on Romancing the Stone with Michael Douglas and, oh gosh, I just forgot her name, which is a, a, definitely a movie we'll be doing on this podcast at some point. It's, um oh, she's famous. Kathleen Turner. Kathleen Turner. Yes. So they, the, um, she, he's making this movie. The studio gets the dailies for it, and they're like, this looks like shit. We hate it. We're taking you off Cocoon. So they take him off Cocoon. Romancing the Stone comes out. It's hugely successful. It's both audience-loved, makes a ton of money. Critics like it, too. It's a fun 80s adventure movie, which, again, it's like a guaranteed down the road we are going to do that movie and probably also the sequel. It's like It looks like the kind of thing I'd enjoy. But that is so successful that he basically gets the blank check and they're like, you can do whatever you want. And he's like, okay, I have this time travel movie where a kid almost has sex with his mother. And they're like, nobody wants to watch that. And he's like, oh, I bet you're wrong. And then we get back to the future. I assume his pitch is not what I just said, but it's just probably a little more eloquent. Talk about <laughs> a boy whose best friend is a very old man almost has sex with his mother. It's a great time traveling adventure romp for the whole family, but it's amazing. Like a movie that is, for us, like a, a major, major favorite from childhood. I still love Back to the Future, a movie we've seen a million times. We've talked about it on this podcast. Been, I just uh, watched. I just on... rewatched the sequel, and I was like, "Oh, I forgot how like succinct and beautiful and and neat it is." Yeah, yeah. So because he gets taken off Cocoon, he gets to make Back to the Future. So ultimately. I would take the Back to the Future known entity versus the maybe cooler cocoon with with, uh, Zemeckis instead of Ron Howard. Well, now what I want to do is do a fan film where we go back in time. (laughs) And we try to keep Zemeckis on cocoon. We tank (laughs) Romancing the Stone. But then we would get neither. No, but they're like, fine. Or no, I guess we, we have to tank the pitch. So they're like, no, you have to direct cocoon and then maybe we'll let you do whatever you want <laughs> yeah yeah and there we is, watch there like is... we, we hold up a poster of back to the future and we watch like everything fade away from it <laughs> yes no yes. oh it, no it becomes eric stoltz instead yes but and and it's directed by ron howard oh man that would be the ultimate yes it becomes a ron howard film and then nobody likes it because it's boring mm-hmm. um but yeah i just thought that was fascinating it's clint like, plays biff yeah <laughs> Okay, that is that I like the guy who plays Biff. Yeah, I know. I just had his name and it fell right in my head. I like him very much, but I would I would be here for more Clint Howard work. I, this is I stated agree. this podcast is here for Clint Howard work. The Clint Howard There's not cast. enough There's not enough Clint Howard in this movie. There's there's I agree. too much There's too much Rance Howard, not enough Clint, and I was stunned, stunned, stunned to, that what's her face is not in this. Bryce. Is she born yet? I, I mean, she's about my age. This is 85. I assume she was a little older than me. I just, there's not a She might have been like had... a fresh out the womb baby. Yeah, but you could, like, come on. If I was in that position. Tim Burton did that with his baby. Yeah, I mean, that's, she was born 81, so she was four. She could absolutely have been in those extra scenes. Huh. Her first one, I don't think her, I think her first extra work like that was Grinch. I think you're right that she, she definitely, oh, wait, no, no, no. Grinch? Yeah, like the I read Ron Howard Grinch. She is she is an unnamed extra in the Grinch. They like cut to her, but she had been acting before that, hadn't she? Truthfully, I don't know. Well, you you, I think the listeners know we don't particularly care for Bryce Dallas Howard. 
You know, you know, I guess you're right. I, I'm looking at her now, and it's she was an extra in Parenthood, Ron Howard joint, extra in Apollo 13, Ron Howard joint, extra in Grinch. Then she gets a, a probably a glorified extra role in A Beautiful Mind, and about the same uh, in Book of Love, and then she's in The Village. Hmm. So I, I, I thought she was acting before that. Uh, we've only had the terror of Bryce That's the Howard for family. 16 years. You're thinking of yeah. literally every other member of the Howard <laughs> yeah. family. Yes, exactly. They they act from the birth, and then they're just here forever. They're uh, all I will say, actually, every health class video you've ever seen of birth is actually a Howard. Actually, it's it's one of the Howards. Yes. It's Clint or Ron being born, or or Bryce or Bryce. Yeah. I will say uh, we like to cloud on the on the whole Howard Howard family sans Clint. Bryce Dallas Howard's episode of The Mandalorian that she directed is very very good. It's probably better directed than almost anything her dad has done in terms of like cool stuff happening with the camera and we're moving around well already already you're describing not a ron howard production (laughs) yes exactly it's like is the camera stationary for the whole picture no okay we'll call ron howard because that's what we need um i will say bolt down this dolly there's no wheeling (laughs) we're gonna save so much money on a wheel budget Call the wheel guy. Tell him he's fired. And then I found out. So we had clowned earlier, I think on the podcast, but maybe just in, I I forget sometimes what we've said to the public and to just to each other. But there was a Bryce Dallas Howard documentary. It was a documentary about fathers. We talked about this on the podcast. Directed by Bryce Dallas Howard. I was like, like, this is just going to be a weird snake eating its own tail of, of Hollywood. And then the Ouroboros. Yeah. And I saw a trailer for something when I was watching Hulu and it was, Will Smith being like, they just send you home with a human, like a hu- a living human and no instruction manual. And I was like, what weird Will Smith movie is happening now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then it was like, dads, presented by Bryce. So it was dads in like, dads in like, size 72 font. And then a film by Bryce Dallas Howard in like, maybe 14. And then yeah. presented by Dove Men Plus Care Body Wash in size 30 font. Such an odd, odd, like, I get it. It's the modern world we live in. Like, everybody's got to pay for content somehow. But, like, where does Dove Body Wash look at a dad documentary and be like, yes, this is where we need to put our advertising It's dollars. really, like, you would think it would be, like, was it, um, was it Gillette that did the Real Men Cry campaign last year? Yeah, I think so, yes. It feels like a, a razor company trying to be like, hey. Woke. Yeah. Air quotes. Don't pay attention to the fact that you spend $40 for five razor heads. Right, right. Uh, anyway, we should talk about Cocoon at some point, so I, I guess, guess we should start now. <laughs> Got, uh, the other detail about this that I love uh, that is just as relevant here as it would be later is, so Wilford Brimley turned 50 while making this movie. And they grayed his hair so he would look older. And you can tell in the nice, like, high-quality version of this that you uh, illegally find to watch because... Uh, oh, you found a nice is... version? Because mine looked like it was a potato. <laughs> there is... This movie is completely not available. It just... It's celebrating a major anniversary. It's like the fives and zeros, the ones that always get the big fanfare. And it won two it's... Academy Awards. Yes. You cannot find this movie to rent or purchase Anywhere but through Xfinity Cable yes, is the only say. place I found that. Yes. You can purchase it through and Comcast it's 15 Cable. Do- Actually, no, I think it was purchased for $15. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like you can't you it like the DVD and Blu-ray are difficult to find. They're like expensive, like out Seal of Steel Magnolias is another, was another one like that. I had to eventually just 
buy it digitally on Amazon because that was like, there's no good Blu-ray or DVD copy of Steel Magnolias. Right, right. But I've never seen before for a movie we're doing for the podcast, and I'm talking about like obscure, dumb bullshit that we watch. Parasite 3D was easier to get a hold of than this movie. I think... Which is like beloved somewhat. The only other one I can think of is the Agatha Christie, um, and then there were none, which we discovered didn't exist anywhere, right? but now exists on Prime. So it can go back on the list. Oh, Okay. I do remember. I I had forgotten about that that we had to like change last minute because like we literally cannot find this movie to watch yeah. it in any form. I almost had to do that with Cocoon because I I could not find it. I finally I was like, well, I wish I'm you did. The dark. Let me see what the dark parts of the internet have to show. Oh, here it is on this weird website. We start with a very blue screen telescope. It's so bad. And then it's extremely uh, for all the Douglas Adams. I was out gonna. There. I have that written down. <laughs> it's extremely so long and thanks for all the fish energy. It's my exact I love note. Very much. <laughs> it's so long and thanks for all the fish. <laughs> yes, which you know I love as a Douglas Adams fanatic. But uh, hey, guess what, Trip? The dolphins never get explained. Nope, nope. Although we do get some weird dolphin puppet action later. I just, I would have loved literally any explanation as to why the <laughs> yes. dolphins love the aliens. Why the aliens love the dolphins. Well, my my theory, which again, the movie doesn't tell you, is that the dolphins are frolicking around the alien pods to get the same sort of energy rebound thing that the humans get later. Hey, a 30 second line would have been great for that. Yeah, no, there's like any number. The of goose just goes, what's with all these dolphins, man? And then the old, <laughs> the old guy who like gives him money is like, they come for the energy. They revitalizes them. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Gutenberg throughout this whole movie does not know what movie he's in. And I absolutely uh, would would point the finger there at Ron Howard. He's, like, he's preparing Just. for the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror movie. <laughs> <laughs> he seems almost like he wants to be Captain Ron. Like this sort of weird surfer stoner vibe. But that is that. not what... That is not what this character, like, it's not what's called for with this character. He's supposed to be kind of like a bumbling fool. And instead, he's got this, like, other thing. Ha- he just, it's, I like Steve Gutenberg, like, more than most, I think. I agree. And this is, he's this is way more attractive than I remembered. You, you well, you, you are an avowed anti-Goot guy in the past. Because you were like, it doesn't make any sense that this guy's a leading man. What it doesn't. I, I was just going to say, I, I forgot that I made that point before, because... I should probably listen to our like if we if a, if a celebrity is on a if like we mentioned the goots I should go back and listen to a previous goot cast so that I yeah. can not make the same point but it's just a thing that doesn't exist anymore of the like comedic goofy boy next man. door because he's like his body is great his face is a little goo it's not like he's not hideous he doesn't break mirrors but he's like he's, a little goofball I would say his closest modern day analog is like an Andy Samberg. Yeah, I mean, I would think I think Andy Samberg is a little more attractive than he is. But but in terms of like a little bit goofy looking, kind of has this nice guy quality to him. And that's sort of what you're here for is like this kind of like early season, early seasons, Parks and Rec of Andy, Andy, Andy Dwyer. Yeah, but like not anymore. Chris Pratt for a number. You lost that because you got ripped. Yes. And also, maybe are a weird religious cult. Yeah, thing. I don't. I don't think know about what the deal is. Hard. It <laughs> I upsets. I mean, I just. I'll just. I'll just watch the movies. I think is probably the easiest. But anyway, we 
have an underwater city, which, which is immediately shown to be Atlantis. And apparently, like, the alien's big plan was stash these pods in Atlantis and come back to the city later. Oops, JK, Atlantis sinks. So this movie, uh, in, addition to having, was, in addition to having aliens, also says Atlantis is real, which I kind of was... I am worried. shocked that there wasn't an, an Atlantis title card. Like a lower yeah, thirds. No, we, or, yeah, what's we that needed called? that. We, uh, Chiron. Yeah. Text on like Atlantis. Yeah. Yeah, no, 100%. Uh, and also, a quick a quick shout here to uh, a late-era hand-drawn Disney animation. I, is it just called Atlantis? What's that movie called? Uh, Atlantis Lost Empire. It is not good. Oh, I was going to say the opposite. I watched that like as an adult because I'd never seen it, and I like loved the style of it. it I thought it was It tries awesome. so hard to be a teen boy movie. Oh, maybe. I just really liked the Mike Mignola inspired Hellboy. Star Wars references. It's like fights. It's very much like Disney being like, we're for boys too. And no one really cared about it. I super liked it. I watched it like maybe three years ago and I was surprised by how much I enjoyed the movie. Maybe, maybe uh, just didn't hit right for you at the same time, but I was going to give it a light recommend. I love, I I mean, Uh, Michael J. Fox is great because he's got a, a great voice. I wish he did more yeah. voice acting because he's got a very expressive voice. Yeah, I think I think his condition makes it difficult for him to do any sort of acting, even if it's. I just meant in general, like even before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me. I'm gonna pause. I need to go back. I need to rewind and look at something. So after the Atlanta stuff, we we cut to like this old folks uh, retirement type community and. Uh, we've just it's got the back. same energy as the, uh, the the old folks swingers community in Bob's Burgers. Yes, for sure. It definitely seems like these folks might have alternative lifestyles. We also just got back from a grocery run and it looks like someone just filled a grocery cart throughout their shopping, got to the checkout and were like, no bags needed, got to the trunk and just tipped the entire thing into it. Yeah, everything's helter skelter in there. Fruit Loops are all Kimbo. Whole watermelon and a loaf of French bread just rattling around. Well, you need those to be a, a movie bag of groceries. No, that is true. Uh, and we've got we we get introduced to some of our main uh, group here. We've got Wilford Brimley, who was just fifty years old when they filmed this. They dyed just his hair turned fifty. They do, and in the in the in the version I was watching, you definitely can see uh, some of that in some of the scenes, some of the close ups. Particularly after they go swimming, there's one where he like joins his lady in the shower, and it was like, oh, he definitely was young. But um, Tom Cruise is 58 right now, and he's like that's jumping. bonkers. Yes, I mean he's basically a vampire in terms of his ability to not age. But yeah, 50, 58. Hey, I'm still not convinced he didn't drink that potion from Death Becomes Her. And so in like five, yeah. five, ten years, he's going to mysteriously die. And right. then just like body parts start falling off. No, it's they're going to. It's yeah, That's what they have to do. You have to fake your death so that you can disappear from public eye. Ah, uh, OK. But yeah, he's like jumping off airplanes and stuff at 58. Uh, I, I mean, honestly, like that's not necessarily a criticism. Like I, I know plenty of people who are 50 and don't do those things, but it's just wild that like the old man energy that Wilford had be deep inside him that it was able to come out and play here is delightful to me. I don't, I would have to look at his, I want to look at his other filmography because I imagine that he consistently played those kind of roles. Because has he always had that mustache? I think it's sort of a trademark for him for sure. I mean, the thing is, 1982, which is three years before this. Yeah. And I I did not think Wilford Brimley was necessarily spry in that, but I definitely thought he was older than a guy in his 40s. Hmm. I mean, it's just hard living back then. Yeah. 
Uh, and the other, the other, uh, it's sort of Wilford Brimley and Don Amici are the two main guys. And then Hume Cronin is their third buddy. Who's a little bit less featured. It's very weird how they clearly were like, these two are the stars. And I was like, right. then why did you write the third part? Right, right. He's like there. And then they, they try to give him some things going on later that like, don't really make any sense to me. And it's just kind of stupid, but we, we can touch on that as we go. Like Hume Cronin's whole part could have been excised from this movie. And it's probably a better, more enjoyable movie. Cause this is a full two hours, folks. The last half hour of this movie could have been excised from this movie. I yeah. wrote down the, and then 15 minutes later, the movie could have ended again. Yeah. And they kept on trucking. It has a return to the king number of false uh, level of false endings. Um, but they, they walk through the the retirement community and they're like just kind of checking out. It's kind of give you the lay of the land. So we were watching a uh, uh, like the, dance class. Mean, the cafeteria scene in Mean Girls. Right. It's like a high school type thing. It's like, you know, the quick overview. Uh, we walk by a dance class or like aerobics dance I thought that aerobics instructor was Betsy Palmer and got very excited to see her again because I don't, other than like Murder She Wrote and was she in that episode of Magnum P.I.? I I don't remember. The crossover we did? I don't remember. She might have been. And Friday the 13th, we never see her. Um, But no, turns out it's Gwen Verdon, acclaimed, you know, dance extraordinaire and muse to Bob Fosse. Yeah, they just did that FX show with, um, what's his name, Sam Rockwell. Uh, about and Michelle that, Williams. Their, yeah, about their partnership. But both Amici and Brimley are in some very short shorts, and Brimley has a matching Hawaiian shirt shorts combo, which I, I thought was great leisure wear. That's called a cabana set. Okay. It's called a cabana set. I see. Well, this would be the appropriate place to wear a cabana set, I think. A, a pool, poolside, yeah. beach thing Um, i've recently been getting into like vintage like barbie and ken and like 80s packaging and that was one of the outfits ken wore i was like what is that stupid shirt he's wearing with his with his bathing suit and then i was like oh it's called a cabet it was a a shirt that was lined with a towel basically that seems deeply uncomfortable so hot so it was for like moisture it was for like you dry off you wear the shirt to dry off but then you're wearing a wet shirt on the beach, it's like a this beach. Seems, I I don't like this. I think it's a bad idea. That's why it went away. I'm into this. I want one. I'd rather dry off with a towel than put on a shirt. Anyway, uh, there's a really odd scene, and I think in the hands of a better director, it would do more. But they watch. There's like you hear commotion and like the sort of sounds of a ER sort of thing, and we look into this room, and this man is dying. Like they, a guy dies just right on screen, and Amici and and Wilford just kind of watch like him scene die. In Ghost. It's vi- where the you see the light go out of him. Yeah, yeah. It's weird. Right. And like in another movie, that is sort of the like, I, I think it does serve this function in this movie, although it's never like it's just kind of done in a subtle way. But it's sort of them. They kind of like shrug at it and and don't really come back to it. And then the sort of fountain of youth thing of their pool, that's obviously sort of a factor in it. Like I'm. I'm not someone who needs my handheld that much, but I wish that they, in the dialogue and such, were talking about how it's like, look, like our road, our we're running out of runway, like we have two choices, and it's die or or go do this thing, and they don't really, they don't really bring sh- up the world they live in when they talk about it. I guess it comes up once in like once or twice in passing, and then doesn't get probably about like the 30 45 minute mark 
And then at 90 minutes into the movie, all of a sudden, that's all anyone talks about. And I was like, you can't, like, there was a time for this discussion a while ago. Now I don't For the start of it anyway. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I... I don't think it needs to only have been the beginning. I think they can talk about it more later too. But yeah, I, I was just like, this has to be a discussion throughout this movie. Mm-hmm. But I do enjoy the old men doing teen boy nonsense where they're like hopping a fence and climbing in and sneaking into this pool. I'm like really I really like into it. that concept. Yeah. The, the old folks having an adventure is a definitely a movie genre that pops up like once a decade. Like great. I think there was just one. There's been a couple with um, Morgan Freeman. No, I don't think Betty White's done that many movies. I'm talking about like a movie about old people having adventures, like The Bucket List, where it's like Nicholson and Morgan Freeman like doing adventures. And then I there's think another. There was, there was a lady version of that with like Betty White and Cloris Leachman. Really? When? I think so. I want to say it was like 15 years. It was a while ago. It was like 15 years ago. Okay, I have no memory of that. But I was the other one I was thinking of. Wasn't there like a Vegas movie with Morgan Freeman? I feel like I would have seen the trailer for that. Yeah, that sounds right. It's like what happens in Vegas or something like that. Anyway, um, so they, they're like breaking into the neighbor's pool and it looks uh, like it looks like the vampire queen of Louisiana's home from True Blood. Yeah, it's got a sort of Anne Rice vibe for sure. It's but it's it, hers was felt like the 30. It was like the 30s in a in a pool house. Yeah, no, I, I get that for sure. Apparently they this was just an outside pool that they built a pool house around and then demolished it and then huh. the people who owned the property were like we actually like that and then built it again. Huh. Well, that's kind of cool. At least according to IMDb, which, you know, grain of salt. Yeah, yeah. So we cut to Gutenberg on his boat and he's getting ripped off. And this is just more of like the whole thing with Gutenberg and Ron Howard not being great for this type of movie is is he doesn't know what movie he's in and he needs someone to tell him what movie he needs to be in and it's like he's kind of doing this the captain ron thing and just he's, the whole it's all if, a mess. he feels like he's preparing for the tower of terror movie you mean like in the terms of like being big and bold and stuff yeah everything is wacky yeah yeah no it is it is very much like children's daytime show uh kind of thing and i i just don't i don't like i don't know what we're doing i, I have no idea yeah uh, and neither does he, frankly, throughout this whole thing. Well, yeah. But this was the era where you could be kind of goofy looking and still be the romantic lead. Right, right. I'm not even talking about that. I'm just talking about, like, his performance is not in the movie that we're watching. He's 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 in a whoa movie. And, like, this is not a whoa movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so he's get he gets ripped off and he's got like down to his last penny sort of thing. And then Brian Dennehy saves the day because he wants to rent his boat for 27 days, uh, because that is his lucky number. And I was like, Oh, Hey, me too. <laughs> yeah. I was like, wow, that's convenient. Yeah. Uh, we see that the boat people then rent the house with the pool that's next to the old folks home. Right. Right. Um, and also, Wilfred Brimley's grandson shows up. We're probably not going to talk about him again till the end, but he is a he's, character. He's in this movie. he's the kid with the telescope and the bad blue screen in the beginning. Oh, you're of the movie. right. I forgot. Yeah. And then there we got a topless goot scene. He's looking good. Looking great. He's it's, he's looking it's great. Eighties bod. Yeah, exactly. Which you know is more of the aesthetic. Like I, I don't mind if someone just is in good shape and not on HGH. Which he's is a fur. He not, looks like a like a hairy Ken doll. Yeah. Yeah. And then 
a, a an eye test in the DMV, just standing in line. Yeah, was that how? That feels like not how it would have been done. I mean, that's how ours, mine is pretty much. Like you get called up to the thing, you put your face in the machine, and then it's like an eye chart in there, and you read it out. Oh, there aren't people directly behind me because there's like a place for them to sit down. But it wouldn't surprise me if the sitting down was like a more modern thing. Hmm. I guess I haven't been. I've only had two licenses, I think. And so I Mm. haven't needed to do the. How often do you do an eye test? I had to do an eye test when I got my license in Maryland and like changed over from Pennsylvania. And I had to do the eye test again when I got my license in D.C. moving in from Maryland. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think I've had to do it since I got it the first time. It wouldn't surprise me if you were just renewing if they didn't do that, but because I moved into different states, they made it be do it again. Yeah. He's also, like, really mad about it in a way that I found really delightful. Yeah, so this movie feels like a revisionist history kind of thing for old people of, like, we are always right, and you young yes. people are wrong. Yeah. And I'm like, because he gets mad, the DMV guy's like, he's clearly reading all the wrong numbers, and yes. when the guy... The guy tries to help him and says, hey, do you have another pair of glasses that you can put on? He gets mad and he's like, these are my glasses and they work fine. I can read all the letters. And he's like, well, you can't. Yeah. And, he, and then he says, street signs aren't written that tiny. And I wanted the guy to say, well, they are when they're several miles away, which is when you need to first see them. Right, right. It's just, it's one of a couple scenes where I'm like, I feel yucky because I'm like, it feels like old people being like, I'm right. And I'm like, but that this is a fantasy movie. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. Like, and there's also like, you know, a better way to do it other than it's like, oh, Wilford Brimley and the snooty jerk. But I do, I do like that they immediately. That's the cut- thing. I didn't even think the guy was that snooty. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's what this scene is supposed to be of like. But the- that it should have been like real. Right. Like a better movie. Like- like, it should yes. have been a better movie. Yeah, I agree. Like, <laughs> the guy should have been a little elevated so he could, like, really look down on Brimley and, like, snatch his license away. He should have been a, a jerk. Yeah, he should have cut up his license or something. Yes, absolutely. Yes, that would yes. have made this scene have it been like, oh, so this guy is an a-hole, sure. Yeah. Um, and I also, I really like they, like, immediately cut to Brimley and the grandson. And, uh, by the way, cool activity you're taking your grandson on in the limited time you get to hang together is, like, we're going to the DMV. <laughs> Well, they hang out a lot because yes. his mom works. So they're, I don't, I don't I think it's so. like a, yeah, yeah. It's not like an occasional activity. That's fair. But they're covering Brimley's car and they're clearly using a parachute because there's a hole yeah. in the middle. And I'm like, the part of the purpose of the tarp is to keep the car safe from the elements. This has a hole in it by design. Well, then when they walk away, so you don't really see that it's a parachute. And then when they finish covering it up, they walk inside and there's a weird like camera pan back where it shows that it's a parachute and there's like a musical sting. And I was like, was I supposed to understand something? I, it feels like they're, they're, they're checkoffing a parachute so that like later in the movie, Wilford Brimley is going to jump out of a plane or something. And it just Mm -hmm. doesn't happen. Yeah. It's very bizarre. Uh, so we get some cool underwater shots here. Credit where it's due. And I like Mm -hmm. the dolphin puppets as well. So many dolphins. And Goot thinks the dolphins are just super horny, which is kind of a weird thing. Well, dolphins are pretty horny creatures. (laughs) I mean, in general, yes. But it just seems like an odd thing for him to go right to. It's like, oh, they must be real horny, these dolphins. Like, come on, Goot. Yeah. Well, the other thing. So they have on the boat a dolphin sound machine. Right. 
That doesn't get explained. Right. The dolphins are clearly instrumental in either locating or something. Protecting or something. Yeah, some, yes. The dolphins have a role that the movie just decides not to tell us, and it's everyone seems fine with it. It's very weird. Uh, meanwhile, the Trace Moldy Boys are uh, spying, and they think that it's drugs that are being brought into the pool. And No, because they, they, they don't think it's the pool yet. Right, right. They just they think drugs they're like smuggling. If these yeah. if these people are going to bring drugs into our town, we're then it's okay for us to swim in their pool without their permission. And yeah, I was like, which, how that is such old people logic. Yeah, I mean, I kind of enjoyed it. It was amusing to me that like if they do this thing bad, then our bad thing is therefore not bad. And then they see the pods in the pool and instantly just start like touching them and jabbing at them with a stick. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very odd choice. And there's an old man diving party, which is a first for me. Also, Donomichi like jabs one with a pool skimmer, which I yeah, really found that's funny. What I meant. But it's like the it's not the stick like they they do get poked with the pointy end, but also he pokes with the the, the basket end or or net end, the scrubby which I, end. Yeah, and I was like, Don, that's the wrong side. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Brimley doesn't even care. He dives right in. And then we get a fairly amusing montage of these two 70-year-olds and one 50-year-old who is also in spirit a 70-year-old, like doing all sorts of jumping in. Because it was it's fun. like it was a nice, like, what I think would have been, again, in the hands of a more competent director, the first swimming scene should have shown them being very careful and like, just like doing the like water aerobics, very little movement kind of, st- like they're not doing much. Right, And then this scene, like, someone should have dived into the pool off the diving board, and they're like, whoa, what are you doing? And then then they're like, well, let's all do it. Right, and then it becomes this montage that we do have of, like, none of them can, like, they all can do a couple of moves, which is fine, but, like, Brimley is, like, doing a jackknife and a cannonball, and, like, Donamichi, one of them does a pretty graceful, like, uh, divey thing where they like do like a sort of a fold up and go if I recall correctly but yeah. mostly it's just like little kids jumping in a pool like you know doing all sorts of moves do you think if this movie got remade today that they would replace the old people when they got in the pool no but the people that they cast would be more athletic they'd be much, they'd be younger people in makeup no you I mean? just think I think that a 70 year old in 2020 is inherently more athletic than a 70 year old in 1985 true just like because of the way humans exist because on of Tom Earth. Cruise <laughs> right right but they like yeah Tom Cruise in 10 years is gonna be able to do a dive like a spinny back flip dive move it's not it's not gonna be difficult for him to do that yeah but uh my favorite bit of this is them walking back to the uh, a retirement community, and I don't remember what the line is that leads to this, but the reply is, oh, you've got a boner too? And then we cut to a second montage of all three of these men having sex they with their wives. They are so horny. Yes, they're like... <laughs> Wilford really gets in the shower with his lady. Uh, Don Amici is like doing the same pose that the guy does in us where he's like kind of situated on the bed in a sort of inviting way because mm-hmm. it's two twin beds. No, it's, it's not, that's not Don. Don shows up. Hume Cronin. That's Hume. Cause Don okay. shows up at Gwen Verdon's house with flowers right. and a tuxedo. Okay. You're right. You're right. Cause again, 
if they had shown us in the beginning that the, these men didn't want to have sex or whatever reason, like, well, okay. I will, I will give the movie a little bit of credit in that. I think that the audience in 1985 in a pre Viagra world is aware that just like the plumbing stops working at a point and ergo sex just stopped at a point. But I mean, I, I, I think, I, I think, I, I think it has to be graphic. I don't need them yeah. to talk about like, well, my dick's broken, but like, <laughs> Like, it could have been anything. They, like, half hinted at sort of that for one for one line of dialogue. And I was like, okay, but that's one character. Like, all three of them could have been like, hey, it's, I hear, like, something to, like, commiserate. Right, right. Because yeah, they're all horny. Yeah, I do, like I said, I do think this is a, a case of, like, cultural knowledge where, like, everyone would have just understood that the sex was off the table for these guys in general. Yeah. Uh, you know, whatever. I'm sure it happened occasionally, but it was not as regular an item on the menu in a pre-Viagra world. But the the other part that I, I wrote down here and I missed until we were talking about something else, but when uh, Wilfred Brimley joins this lady in the shower, he's like, you want a piece of candy, little girl? And I was yeah, like, whoa! Nope, nope, pretty yucky no there, you. bud! <laughs> no thank you. So the next morning, all the ladies have the glow, except for the the one, the guy who wouldn't break into the pool with them. And they're all like, just like, oh, man, I'm in such a good mood today, which is like, I, I kind of enjoyed that part of it. There were parts of this movie I really, like, I thought were cute, like seeing all the old people get revitalized and like do their own thing. I thought was really fun and cute. Yeah, I agree. And then they say, as they're walking to the pool again, one of them goes, think there was cocaine in that pool? <laughs> I mean, probably. It was <laughs> yeah. a pool in the 80s. Definitely. Uh, so out on the boat, Goot messes with the tech box, and he summons the, the dolphins. Does he actually summon them, or does he just turn the machine on? I thought that he summoned the dolphins. Maybe he just made dolphin noises happen. Uh, but his he believes that they're giant snail shells. Because um, that's then, what the one lady tells him. Right. <laughs> and then he stubs his toe and makes an entire Broadway show out of it. Which I just like cannot cannot abide by. He doesn't. He drops an air tank on his foot. No, he stubs his toe. No, he he, he kicks the he kicks the the thing the the pod. No, he definitely drops an air tank on his foot. Okay, I did not I did not note that. Yeah. Um. Then he tries to pick up this woman, which is kind of terrible. Not very successful. And. Uh, she kind of like brushes him off. Meanwhile, Hume Cronin, the sort of third member of this group, had cancer, and we find out he's at the doctor's office. And he's like, "I've never seen anything like it. You're completely cancer free." And he's like doing a jig. This is another instance where he, because the guy goes, "This is a miracle. Uh, I didn't think this would happen." And then the guy's like, "I love to see you eat your words, Doc." And I was like, "Yeah, but like, not the real world doesn't have magic pools, right? Right? Like in the real world, please I just mean- listen to your doctor." I, I agree with you, but I think also that, like, I hope most people watching this realize we're in a movie with alien pods, right? Like, that's, like, very explicitly the the reason for this. It just seems so weird to me that, like, the reason that these old people are able to do the things no one thought they could, slash, they're, they could not do. Like, empirically, objectively, they could right. not do these things. Right. No, you're right. The reason they're able to do it is because of a magic pool, which just seems weird that they're harping on the like, well, y'all were wrong about me. No, right. you have a magic pool now. I also like in the subsequent, I guess this is where they go dancing, right? They all go. Yeah, to the this club. is where they have the old people okay. dance. So this is like a very long sequence that is 
three times longer than it should be. And yep. I don't. This movie should not be two hours in any planet. It has I, no business being two hours long. No, but I do like the scene that follows, which is Gutenberg is so bored on his boat that he's just doing maintenance and he doesn't seem to know what he's doing. Like, it seems the first time he's picked up a wrench, which is not what I would expect from a person who is like chartering a boat on a regular basis. I assume you know how to do some of this repair. It's like he's got the manual in one hand and he's like, yes. well, hmm. Yeah, no, it's a very, very odd thing. And then there's a hole in the wall as luck would have it and he decides to do a porkies and spy on this woman which is so, so gross so gross uh but he then he even says is am i really gonna peep am i really gonna be a peeping tom and i was like oh cool he's gonna he's gonna realize that this is awful and not do it nope right right but instead of a sexy naked lady, he watches an alien shed her human skin, and it is a cool effect. I will give him she that. She gets it fully is... naked and yeah. then pulls her skin off, like um, Men in Black or the witches. Yeah, she, said she, she, she drops it like a wetsuit. It like kind of yeah. slops onto the floor. They are, uh, they are too creepy. Like they don't. They there could have been a friendlier looking design for these aliens. Yeah. I mean, the alien design is is kind of whack, but also it's it's hard to tell. It looks like a digital effect, honestly, which is, I think, why it looks so bad, but I can't quite tell. I don't think it is. I think it's a digital effect on a costume. Like, yeah, there is a mask and a bodysuit, and then yeah, I think they yeah. added the glowy. But the faces But they kind of, are... like, float later. It's weird. So, you know when you go to kill a bug, and then you miss it, and it starts flying, and you're like, oh, God, I can fly. Like, yeah, that's yeah. what happened to me. At, at the aliens <laughs> in this movie. And so he, the Goots freaks out and goes on the boat, like under the deck and like tries to start the boat and all the aliens come up in their human suits and he's freaking out. He tries to jump off the boat and swim to shore and realizes that's stupid and gets back on the boat. And Brian Dennehy like says something to him. He's like, you're friendly, aren't you? And then pulls down his lower eyelid and it flashes. And I was like, he is freaking out. You don't need to keep reminding him. Like, you don't need to uh, confirm that you're all aliens now. Right. I also don't quite get, like, his whole thing. See, like, they're, to them, he, he's, they probably need to kill him, right? Like, that's pro probably the answer. And so he, like, jumps in the water, and then it's like, okay, I'll just get back on the boat. And I'm like, what is your plan? What are you thinking? It's also always fun to remember that there were no cell phones to worry about when jumping in the water. Like, you didn't have to empty your pockets to jump in the water. Right, exactly. You didn't have to worry about ruining a $1,000 computer. Yeah. Um. Eventually, he does come around to be like, yeah, I'll be on your team. Way when too Jenny quick. He explains it. Yeah, it's like a 10-second scene, because it's like, well, we got to get to the rest of this movie, and there's the sort of vibe of it, and then it turns out the rest of this movie is still not much happening. It's like crazy. This is like... I think, what did you say when you texted me? I said this movie has no business being two hours long. No, something about that. Like, we always talk about a movie having too much. This movie has more air than a Zeppelin. Yeah, it is so, so light. And it's like, the parts that should take a while are instantaneous. And the parts that don't need to be long at all are, like, just eaten, eaten up the clock. So, is the implication that these aliens have been, like, Brian Dennehy alien has been alive for over a hundred centuries? That's what he says. Okay. Just making sure. Yeah, they basically live forever. Mm-hmm. So the old men try to bring the new guy, Jeff Garland? No. No. I, I'll have to look his name up again. That guy. He's like the and fourth he... guy that they like kind of have in this movie and kind of don't, frankly. 
Yeah, he gets stuff to do later, but I needed, like, establishing stuff for him, you know? Right, right. Like, I think if he had, you know, lost family in the war, in a war or something that would, like, something that gives him already, he already has, like, a reason to not want to live, like, not play around with this. Right. There's that whole thing where, like, so the character is Bernie that won't, that uh, Bernie and Rose are the couple where we'll get to that shortly. But uh, Bernie, like, won't come to the pool until they basically make him. And even then, he's like, I'm on hat. I don't want to do this. Right, right. And then there's the sort of, like, near miss with Dennehy and the group bringing more pods in. Um, I do like the arm reveal here, like the Terminator. We see Brian... The, the, yeah, so Brian the, the three old men who were left run into the closet, because apparently there's a dock right behind this pool house that, like, wasn't talked well, about until now. Uh, well, the dock is how they bring the pods in to start the thing. No, the, this is the first time we're seeing, I thought... No, no, no. The the when they think they're bringing the drugs in, they're loading from That's the dock. That's that dock. Yes, yes. Oh, I thought that was a dock. Oh, I thought that was the original dock. No, no. I think this is a situation where the house has a private landing spot, which frankly um, is probably not that uncommon in this area of Florida. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that is. Uh, is it Dennehy who opens his arm, or is it? I think, the, it's, I think it's one of the one two of the, guys who don't get any lines or a name. I think it's one of those two, but they do a very Terminator, like the arm is just suddenly exposed out of the skin, which looks really rad, I think. Yeah, so he's he's got a, his hand in the water. His left hand is a human hand in the water, and then his right hand is this like translucent glowing yellow hand. And then his skin, his his fake skin hand is just like floating next to it. It yeah, looks so good. It's yeah, and they drop their skin like just towels on the floor, which is just kind of nasty in the good way. No, they throw them into a box. They're civilized. Oh, that's right. That's they right. Have it's a, they towel have a, box. a skin that's suit right. box. Right, right. And then immediately the one floats over to where the guys are hiding. The for some reason they just know where they're hiding. It doesn't really explain that, but that immediately they like open the door on them, and then the guys like run away. Yeah, it's again they're they're doing some scare tactics. Right, right. Uh, and then we get our first Clint, mm-hmm. who who intervenes with the older folks running back in, and they tell him this story, and he's like, yeah, I'm sure there's aliens hiding next door. Oh, what a bunch of kooks. Yeah. And so Wilford Brimley decides to go talk to them himself, because no one... Oh, actually, no, the police... Dennehy charms a cop, which is a really cool scene, I think. I liked that. Well, and again, I was like, is this an alien power, or is he just charming? I think it's a little bit of both. He's like, hey, we're not going to press charges. They're just harmless old people, you know, whatever. Yeah. yeah. And then Wilfred Brimley shows up and is like so greedy and self-centered about yes. it, which is oh, really yeah. yucky to me. Yeah. He's like, we need help. This is like, we're desperate. Our friend is dying, blah, blah, blah. But it, it, it doesn't feel framed of our friend is dying. He's like, you, what har- like, we're just old people in the pool. Like, you can't like... You should be giving it to us. And he's like, I'm trying to save my people. I, I do. I, it Brimley seems a little bit like help us or else in a way that I don't think it's supposed to, but it does definitely come off that way. Yeah, I, I didn't get I didn't get that. I just got like, well, if you have a magic pool, you should share it. How many years apart do you think Dennehy and Wilfred Brimley are? Um, I'm going to guess like six. Oh, you're close. Four. Okay. Is yeah. Dennehy four years younger? Yes. 
I also think Dennehy is very weird casting for this movie. But again, the part is doesn't have a lot to do. I know, but it's like he's got sort of a gruff demeanor. And I know I've seen him play not gruff characters, but he has such like a big tough guy vibe that it seems so odd that this character is just sort of like a small in, in personality peacemaker type. Yeah, it is. Weird. I mean, this movie's weird. Yeah, no, it's very weird. So yeah, he, as he's like, you should just let us use the pool. Uh, then he's like, fine, whatever. You know, we were in Atlantis. Da 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 da. Right, right. He explains the whole deal. Um, and he's like, if you promise not to tell anybody, then you three can use the pool. Right. This lasts for exactly one minute. Mm-hmm. And so they bring the wives, they bring the girls over. Yep. And Bernie's wife, Rose, is like kind of excited. And Bernie's like, he starts ranting about being against the law. And they're like, well, no, they're letting us do, like, we're not, no one's breaking the law. And he's like, those aliens are against the law. And I was like, but wait. I think it's like they're against the natural order of things sort of vibe is what I get here. But in uh, any maybe. case, he's, it's almost like a sort of Christian message, but not quite. Again, if he had some kind of backstory of. No, I agree. Losing I agree. someone in a war or, you know, maybe he is super, super Christian or, yeah. you know, something. Because I don't understand why he's the only old... It makes... In my head, I'm like, yeah, the old people would want to, like, prolong... This is the crux of the movie's argument, and the movie doesn't do a great job of it, but it's basically, like, is it okay to make the choice to live forever, or should you just, you know, live your life naturally? The movie doesn't let the characters talk about that at all until the very end of it, and this guy and his wife, who is not really on board with him, are the only two people on the other side. It's basically, like you know, yes, there's no reason not to use this thing, which I don't think is like, I don't know that it's a crazy point to make, but I do think there is nuance to be had in betwixt. I think, I think if when Dennehy says, you know, we'll allow you to use it. If he had mentioned like, yeah, there is enough, there is enough energy to rejuvenate you and your friends and still accomplish our goal of, you know, helping the cocoons or whatever like if he had mentioned that like it is finite and so then it becomes oh if you're gonna if you keep if you bring more people to the pool then you're taking what belongs to someone else right you're taking like then it becomes the like you're sucking the life out of something else to make yourself live longer which i think is a more interesting argument than like there's no consequences to like as far as they know there's no consequences to using this right and like Obviously, they're doing, they're taking alien life force. Although, I guess that the deal is that the aliens are spread apart in the ocean or the water is so voluminous. The voluminous? Voluminous? There's, there it is. Uh, There's so much volume of water that like the energy can't concentrate. And so the idea is like they put them all in a smaller vessel of water and the energy can concentrate and they can rejuvenate one another is, I guess, what they're getting at. But they obviously don't tell us that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's my biggest issue is that there's no, there's not a lot of stakes of why, like, I needed a bad thing to be happening. Like, the more you use the, like, they're like, oh, the garden surrounding the pool house is, is, is dead. The tree is dying. Like, right. You know, like, they're sucking the life out of the planet, like something. Right, right. The the fact that this is a finite resource isn't established until the resource has been mostly used up. And then, then at that point, it becomes a rescue movie, which is like, 
it's like 75 minutes into this movie it turns into a different movie for the last 45 and it's like you could have done anything different with this first half and a quarter of this movie to do something yeah it's uh there is one fun there is an hour left in this movie by the way right so there is one fun bit where they have like a pool party with the aliens they're like playing Mm -hmm. cards together that part i i did like that sequence that was cute and then the Wilfred get Wilfred getting his license back. Also, if I were the DMV guy, I would have thought he cheated or like memorized the numbers or something. Yes, but he 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 reads the last line on the chart, which no one ever reads. I guess, but again, it, I'm like, yeah, you here. Let me get a new, ch- a fully new chart because yeah. this hangs here all day. Right? No, he definitely should flip do that. it over. Right? Right? Um, but I was like, I think so. They go to this club with younger people, and I was like, it's oh like my a god, gay dance club. It does look like a gay dance club, but I was like, please, 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 please let this movie have a sequence where Wilford Wilford Brimley breakdances. Please, oh, please, please, oh, please. I know, but like the funniest choice is Wilford Brimley and they pick the other, they pick Amici instead. And I was like, damn it. So you had, you watched a better version. Is it clearly not Amici? Because I was looking through. You do not see his face at all. Like it is, it is definitely all of the moves are moves that you don't see that that Don Amici. Okay, it's like that scene, that scene in the Golden Girls where Rose does really great crazy dancing, but her face is completely hidden the whole time. Yeah, no, it's the same kind of vibe. Although I will say, like Amici does do some of the first steps, and he's definitely yeah. spry looking. So it's like you know, I, he is this scene is well edited to hide the fact that it's a stunt double, as it should be a stunt double. I just wanted it to be Don or. Uh, Wilford Brimley, not Don Amici. Mm-hmm. Or I wanted Gwen Verdon's character to also do crazy. Like, I wanted them to do partner work. I didn't want break dancing. I wanted, like, the dirty dancing. Yeah, lift. they were already doing, like, partner dancing before, which was, like, good, but not as... Like, t- to me, it's much... Like, Don Amici starts popping and locking, and then he spins, then he does, like, a kip-up where he like, goes to the floor, he puts his hands down and springs back up. Like, all that stuff but, is fun. But how great would the dirty dancing lift have been? Was it, Wait, maybe that movie wasn't out yet. Uh, no, I don't think so. I'm pretty sure that's 87. But yeah, I, I, I much would have rather had it be like that same. Uh, my, the song is always the same in my head. It's this, they use this music loop all the time, but it's sort of like doop, 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 doop. And I wanted Don, I wanted Wilford Brimley, like, and like the record spinning. scratch part happens. Yeah. And he's like spinning around and like lands on his side with like his elbow on the ground and a hand on the hip. Like, that's what I wanted so bad. That's fair. But it's fine. It's it's fine. And then um, Goot is swimming with the alien and trying to get down. And well, no, she's first, like, first, for some reason, the whole community knows about the like the whole old folks community is like, hey, we know about this pool. And they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, not yet. That's there's like a bunch of stuff that happens before that. No, that that there's this quick scene of that first. For some reason, that was something the movie needed t- to tease. Between the dancing and Goot and the alien having sex. Yep, I have that line. Okay. I have that written down. Okay. I don't have that until after. So yeah, this is like the start of like, you can see what's going to happen that the community is all going to want to, you know, get in the pool, which like, of course they do. Um, but I really like Goot swimming with this woman and trying to get down. And she's like, uh, we don't really do it like you do. Like I'm interested in you, but it's different. And then they do this like glowing. She, astral pills, pr- she picks up her braid. Yes. Tentacles come out. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, but she does like they they like touch and there's this like sort of weird astral projection thing. Do they even touch? 
Well, oh, that's right. She, she, she's she, like across she, the pool. She force projects into him. That's what it, that's what it is. Yeah. Uh, and then we smash cut to bowling and and the old, everyone at this point is like being buck wild about all this. They're like, look at me. I can juggle bowling balls. And Brimley's like, okay, you've got to be chiller about this. We still look a hundred, like calm down. Yeah. So if this movie had turned into a splash, wouldn't have been mad about it. That like the government is like, Hey, why are these old people, you know, juggling bowling yeah. balls or whatever right 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 i would be into that if that was like the, what we were doing the and fact also, that the climax of this movie is old people get chased by their children and the and the the workers at their home and right. not magic old folks get chased by the government like come on yeah no it's 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 stupid it's stupid I also, like, this is a whole subplot here that just doesn't need to be in the movie. Hume, who earlier in a montage we saw, like, laughing with this waitress at a five and dime, is now, like, taking her home, and he cheats on his wife. Like, he is out with his wife, and is like, I'm gonna go to the bar, and his wife's like, cool, let's get a drink. He's like, no, not with you. And it's like, but this is not how this works. You, you, obviously, this is, uh, uh, fishy, what you're doing here. And Mm -hmm. so... He comes home and she's leaving him. And I'm like, good. This guy sucks. Yeah. And so they get into a fight at the cafeteria. Yes. And this is where the spot gets blown up where it's like someone leaks the info about the pool and then suddenly everybody wants to go. Which is weird because like already they it's the, earlier they said you've been swimming in that pool. And now this time when they say you don't deserve the pool, everyone's like, aha, but, like, you already said it. Right, right. And then it becomes a jailbreak of oldies. It's just this mob of people with walkers and wheelchairs, like, bumping over. It's, like, they the funniest bust down zombie. down a fence? Yes. Yes. It's the funniest zombie type thing I've ever seen, because it's just a bunch of people, like, slowly shambling across the field. And they, like, all crash into the pool and instantly, like, pull a cocoon out of the water and try and crack it like an egg on the side. Yeah. (laughs) What? It's so buck wild to go from, like... I thought y'all were the super respectful generation. (laughs) Right. It's like, hey, don't touch it. And it's, like, meanwhile, it's five guys, some in the pool and some out, bouncing it on the thing, trying to crack it. I'm just like, what the hell? And then the uh, Dennehy comes in and kicks everybody out. Yeah. And then does Brimley stay behind to see the dried out alien? Is that I, what it is? I think it's just Brimley. It might be the Trace Moldy Boys here, but it's like the alien puppet and Dennehy. And Dennehy is like really going for it here. Like he is bringing a lot of energy and emotion to this scene, which should by any measure seem silly. And he really brings this in in a way that I was surprised. Like I'm not saying I hated Brian yeah, Dennehy is- or something. I just. It's a good piece of acting here. Yeah, and then the effect, the the practical prop of the dead, dried-out alien inside the cocoon looks great. It reminds me of, yeah. um, is it Independence Day or Men in Black? Um, so I or made both. me think of the little alien inside the guy's head in the morgue in Men in Black that's, like, dying. The one who's like, the galaxy is on Orion's belt. That yeah. guy. But it also has some men in black also has some like sort of nested men or not men in black. Sorry. Independence. They also has sort of like alien inside another alien thing going on, too. I only remember that because we had a toy, a it big alien open. Yeah. toy that like squeezed open like a like a like a gator clip. Right. Right. A gator clip. A hair, like a hair clip. clip. Yeah. Yeah. And the tiny alien was inside. I, oh, that, yeah. 
Meanwhile, uh, Rose is dead. She's the wife of Bernie, the guy who won't get in the pool. And he carries her to the pool and is like trying to revive her. And then he comes in. don't understand why we had to be told the pool was drained twice. Yeah, I don't either. I, like, and it's not even a part. It's back to back Brimley. Look at this dead, dried up sponge yep. alien. Yep. The pool has no energy. And then immediately Brian brings his dead wife to the pool and the alien's like, the pool has no energy. I was like, yeah, we know. Right, right. I, it, it is purely to get that little stab at the audience and to give this other guy, Bernie, a reason not to get on the boat at the end. That's it. Mm-hmm. So the EMTs come. Wilfordly apologizes, and when kind of, this is where we get the stakes for the uh, fourth movie of this movie, and the uh, cocoons need to be put back. And Brimley's like, "Well, we'll help you. Like, we got a we got a bunch of people who can help." He's um, like, basically, like, we we caused this mess, so we will help you fix it. Right, and then he's like, they've already been in the ocean for ten thousand years. They can survive another ten thousand years. So we get this. Like, is the you implication know, they can only travel every ten thousand? Like, yes, why? I think so. I don't know. And there is a Distance? sequel. There is a sequel that like it probably fills in some of these gaps. But I don't know if I'm going to watch Cocoon: The Return. I'll read the wiki. Um, so he gets our scuba gear on. There's a whole lot of Wilford Brimley leg in this sequence. It's just like gams for days. It turns into um. What's the cruising around, fooling around, turning around from? Yes, the, okay. it turns into turning around from summer rental. Yes, the Jimmy Buffett where they're all montage. like, get like I was half expecting someone to like trip carrying one. Yeah, and then cut to Brian Dennehy like hands on his hips. Right, right, right. If the implication wasn't that you just dropped a, a living being, that would definitely be part of this. So, but again, the movie is like, hey. We have to return them all to the ocean. And Brimley's like, we'll help you. Two minutes later, they're all returned to the ocean and everything's fine. Yep. Yep. It was like, oh, okay. So still no stakes. And then Brian Dunn, he's like, we have room on our ship now to take 30 of you with us. It's like, wow, this dude is a big person who is like, we had brought space on our ship to bring 30 of our people home. Now we can't do that. So I guess we'll bring you all instead if you want. And I was like. In my head, this is where the movie should... Because he's like, hey, it's it's a lot to think about. Yes. And then Brimley's like, I think we'll do it, but we'll talk to... We'll see if anyone else wants to come. Right. Cut to black. Like, that should have been the end of the movie. I mean, I don't agree with you that that's where you cut it, but I think that you do end the movie very quickly after that by... It's like, like them leaving together is the ending. But to me, it's sort of like a Goonies situation where Chunk is like, you're going to live with me now. And like, obviously, like that you can't make that decision on your own, but it's a movie and we're just we're wrapping it up. Yeah, I mean, I, don't, I, I guess there is. I don't necessarily disagree with you. I think that's a kind of a buck wild way for people to leave their family and never speak to them again. But I guess that's possible. But I think you need to more like you'd have to rearrange the first bunch of the movie to make that satisfying as an ending because as it is it's just like suddenly it just fades to black like the sopranos i'm i mean i'm not mad this movie is so (laughs) boring yeah it's there's nothing happens and then this sequence i particularly find wild is so we've already established that wilford brimley has a pretty good relationship with his grandson but they're fishing together and they're kind of talking like talking about this but not talking about this where brimley's like well i might be going away forever and the kid's obviously very sad about this and like you know trying to say goodbye and then he's very much you know near tears or is crying and brimley's like oh come on kid smile and i'm like what you just no he he said that because he hadn't told his mom 
Okay. And he was trying to be like, don't don't blow this for me. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. That just seemed wild to me. But I just, th- they spent so much time on these like heartfelt goodbyes and tearful right. moments. And I was like, this is the last half hour of your movie. And this is the first gravitas you've had. Right. Yeah. Like there's a bit where Brimley and his lady, he's like, are you having second thoughts? And she kind of says yes, but then isn't really. And it seems like no one is. Dada Michi gets all of his money out of the bank and just starts throwing it to people on the street, which I found delightful. I love, but I... I- I'm fine with, I want the movie to have those different reactions of like, I would not, I can't, I'm not coming. I'm having doubts. I'm right. I'm so hard about going to this alien planet. I'm liquidating everything and just throwing it into the world. Right, right. Well, cause him, especially he doesn't like, he's sort of in a relationship, I guess, with, uh, Gwen Verdon. Yeah, Verdon. But like, not married the other two are married but then the worst part of it is there's like five minutes of hume cronin like apologizing to his wife and reconciling and i'm like one this is wickedly unearned that she left him like a day ago in the movie time and he's like i'm sorry and she even says she's like you've been cheating on me for years it's like fuck this guy he sucks like just go live forever without him if you want Mm -hmm. to but like what oh my god i was so mad um, and then the only, the, I will say the only good, also, um, although that's, Amici does get married immediately or right before they leave, doesn't he? Amici and Verdon get married. Yeah. Before they okay. Go. Okay. Um, the only goodbye I actually enjoyed and cared about was Bernie. Cause he, they're all on the boat. It's like a boat full of old people and he walks up the dock and they're like, Oh, we were going to leave without you. And he was like, Oh, I, I'm not coming. And it's a really nice moment and it feels earned and I was like, I was like, there's so much else I just can't care about. And you're going to try and shove this at me. Right. How dare you, Howard? Yeah. Yeah. It's very emotionally manipulative. Like every all there's all these like really saccharine moments, sweet moments that are just like kind of tucked into the movie at random intervals, it seems. Yeah. And this is what I was saying, where the, this is where they start to talk about the ethics of living forever and da da da. And I was like, you had so much time yes. <laughs> to talk about this. You could have had this conversation at any point in this two hour movie, and the entire thing happens in the last 15, 20 minutes. It's banana pants. There's also a really amusing sequence, I think, like amusing at like a level up higher than the movie is operating, where like the little kid doesn't want to rat on uh grandma and grandma and the mom literally is going to think that this is a cult like it's the night of an eclipse and like they're all disappearing the mom is going to be like oh my god they're going to commit ritual group suicide like that is what they don't talk about that in the movie and i think they should there is a zero percent chance they're not thinking that this is some doomsday cult shit and that like it ripped this you know a bunch of old folks in this retirement community accidentally got into this idea together and suddenly they're all going to drink poison kool-aid at the eclipse and you know ascend to a higher power yeah i didn't even think about that but you're super right because there was that was like an actual thing. There was like a comet, the something comet, Haley comet, or something that happened in the eighties. That people did this; they committed suicide in group. And Wasn't it was that like, Jonestown? No, no, there was Jonestown, but I thought the one there's one with a a meteor. Anyway, it I thought Jonestown matter. was the meteor. Okay, I think I was thinking of Heaven's Gate, which was nineteen ninety seven. Jonestown uh, might okay. be a different thing. But in any case, this woman's definitely going to think it was a cult. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so they, and I, I was just like, why? I We don't need the drama of them being chased. Like, if they've decided to leave, let the old people decide to leave. Right. And this, and so then the they go to the old folks' home and discover that no one's answering the door. So they go to Clint Howard, and he's like, "I'll ask someone." And all the beds are empty, and so they're all running around with like the police trying to find people. And the grandson notices the boat full of old people that nobody else right. noticed, and then draws all of the attention to them. Yeah, he's like running down a thing. Like like a madman jumps onto the boat, which is insane and super dangerous. Yeah, and I just I literally cannot care about this chase sequence. This is the Rance Howard cameo, by the way. Clint's Clint's dad and Ron's dad is the lead detective. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, uh, I also like Goot silly puttying the busted uh, engine fluid line of some type. Wasn't that? I feel like that was a thing with chewing gum. In a movie where, like, someone holds out their hand and they spit chewing gum and then they use it to fix an engine. I mean, that's definitely something that's happened in a movie. I don't know that it's... I don't know what you're talking about, but I am sure that it's happened. Yeah, I can't think what the movie is offhand, but... I also don't quite understand. So, like, at this point, the boat's gone, the kid's on the boat, then the kid jumps off the boat to go back to the thing and the police are still pursuing them. And I don't quite get, like, why they're being pursued at this point. Yeah, I was like, are these old people living in a prison? Right, like they're allowed. Like, what crime has been committed? They don't have the kid anymore, and well, so what? Basically, what pissed me off was that the kid led all of the police to the old people. Right, right. And then we're supposed to cheer when he sac- he like jumps off the boat to buy them time. And I was like, it's your fault in right. the first place. Kid. If you just had been chill, it would have been fine. Like what the? It, it should have just been. Grandpa and him see each other from all across the way, and they give a wave. Right. And like at that point, the ship comes down and picks them up, and the movie ends. Like, there's just, they're just like, there's, there's, there's too much stupid movie. There is more movie in the last forty minutes, thirty minutes, maybe even twenty minutes of this movie. There's like five times more movie in the last twenty minutes than the previous eighty. It's, and it's crazy. Not good. I mean, there's more fun stuff that happens at the end of this than throughout it, and it just, it's bonkers that they do so much here. Yeah, this CG fog rolls in. The alien. I re- this is when I realized the aliens didn't offer Goots a spot on their on their ship. Right. I was like, "What the hell?" Yeah, I think it's kind of wild that he's helping them and also like giving like. And there's no point where they offer to pay him. At the end, they're like, "Here's a huge wad of cash." They're like, "This ought to cover your boat and all of it your." It does time. not look like enough to cover a boat. Yeah, I don't know. It, it looks maybe like it's, maybe it's a all small hundreds. stack of hundred. Uh, maybe I guess, but that's. Like a boat's got a, how much does a boat cost in 1980 something? I mean, that looks like at least a $20,000 boat. Like, I don't know. That did not look like a a stack of 200 bills. Yeah, I don't know. It looks like a nice size wad. But anyway, they're like, he's like here. He gives uh, the lady a kiss. Then he gets in a rubber like lifeboat thing. And then the whole boat gets sucked into the ship, which I don't get. Like, why do they have to take the boat in the first place? They stole his boat. But I will say there's a shot from in the water under the boat of the boat being lifted out of the water. And it looks really, really cool. Yeah, no, it is. It is. And then I just don't get why these old people who essentially killed their friends or almost killed their friends. Yes. Made them abandon the original mission. Yes. Were given an offer to come, but the goose almost screwed been, that up. 
the goots who's been helping them this whole time and super cool nothing yeah i feel like the offer should have been 29 people not 30 Mm -hmm. because the number is arbitrary also like there could have been a spot for goots um and then they the goots also has a weird line where he says to the woman you don't know how close i came to buying a ticket and i was like what does that mean yeah that makes me wonder if denny he did offer him to come and he chose not to would have been a, an interesting part of the movie. Yeah, it could have been a scene that I would have liked that would have been interesting. Uh, and then we cut to a funeral, which is like totally odd. That like the pacing of this is so insane. Like the movie's over. Like Ferris like, Bueller has come out and like told us to go home at this point. Nobody, but like, why didn't they just leave notes? Right. Families, they all should have left letters. We, families, we've we've gone away. We'll ne- we can't like we can't be with you anymore. We love you, and this is our choice. Like right. Yeah, Instead, no. it's everyone's crying and left to pick up the pieces. And then we finally like the last shot is this like alien spaceship crossing the horizon in a very Star Trek manner. And all I could think of is like space, the final, the final frontier. frontier. These are the voyages of the starship early bird special. <laughs> it's the ongoing AARP. <laughs> it's ongoing mission to save every penny to dismiss youth culture. And, and to, to yell at people in service in the service industry. <laughs> I was gonna say to slowly lower themselves into every body of water, but <laughs> the same basic gist. But yeah, that's finally, finally, it finally has the, the end. The, of the ship has its blinker on still. Yes, that's that would be a nice detail. Um, obviously, you don't recommend this. I don't think. No, it's I, too long. It's also. I will say we didn't touch on it. It does have a nice score by James Horner. We didn't mention that. But yeah, the score it is, is a nice. Fact is true. Um, I wish there was like a, a a Mel Brooks spoof of this. Yeah, I. It's or it got wrapped into a, the space balls. It's just so long. There's just so much time in this movie where nothing happens. And I guess maybe that's why it's invisible and you can't really find it because they don't want people to remember it and or ruin their fond memories. But man, it's like I it's I looked up the other people who were nominated and it was not a year with a lot of memorable performances that I was aware of. I mean, I'm sure there were great performances that in 1984 they didn't call to mind. Yeah. But there wasn't an egregious nominee where I was like, oh, come on, Dada Michi over so-and-so in the X movie. But I was just like, man, best actor. Because he won on his first nomination. Right. Best Was it best or was it supporting? Supporting. Okay, still, best supporting actor for this movie? Like, it's a fine performance. But I honestly think it's a bunch of people got fooled into thinking Dada Michi really kipped up in that one scene. (laughs) Maybe. Or just the Academy being old people were like, I'll vote for one of our own. (laughs) Finally, some old guy gets a chance and not you whippersnappers. But yeah, baffling to me that this, like, it's it's just not that interesting of performance. He doesn't get that much to do. He does fine with what he's given, but it's perfectly fine. Donamichi is so much more entertaining in trading places in way less screen time. Mm hmm. Or Harry and the Hendersons. Right, right. He's a hoot in Harry and the Hendersons. I like Don Amici. I'm glad the guy got an Oscar. It frankly seems like one of those, oh, we screwed up, and this is your sort of de facto lifetime achievement award. Like, we, we should have mm-hmm. given him one to you a long time ago. But man, oh man, like, 
what a weird choice. This is just not a very good movie. And it's it's beyond our dislike of Ron Howard and beyond that. It's just like, this is an interesting, cool idea and executed in a, such a boring way. And yet, historically, very popular. Spawned a sequel, which didn't do quite as well, but still made and some money. The sequel brought back a lot of the cast. Like almost everyone. I think pretty much everyone who was alive is back in that movie. And it's like... Man, what a weird thing. Like, it's sort of, this is the sort of, like, excavating cultural artifacts part of of doing this podcast. It's fascinating to me of, like, this movie was, like, a summer hit? This, this also, movie? This plot, story, whatever, would, I think, do well as, like, a Netflix reboot. Where they have time, like, it could be a series where, like, each episode concerns one character's thoughts about living forever and going right. away to live on a, like... You could do interesting stuff with that. Right. Yeah, they, th- this movie like points at all of the per- perhaps interesting ethical and moral questions inherent in the in the conversation but of, doesn't of what's happening. Weigh in. No, it do- it doesn't at all. It just points at all of the things like, "Oh, wouldn't that be interesting to talk about? Wouldn't that be interesting to talk about? Wouldn't that be interesting?" Like, yeah, how about you put them in the Make movie? That movie? Yeah. Like, what are we doing here? This is truly a head scratcher to me. Like very, very often when you watch a movie that had some popularity from a bygone era, you can see what people liked about it, or you can kind of glean like some information about society by watching it. But this one is just pants on head crazy to me. Like I can't imagine taking your family to see this. Like, like it's so boring. It's so boring. Long and tedious and boring. This is like the quit. Like I said, as I said before, this is the Rosetta stone of Ron Howard. It's like, this is deeply, deeply boring, uninteresting filmmaking. Cause I went through, I was like, what has Ron Howard done that I like? And it's splash. Yeah. And, kind of the Grinch, which I respect because it's practical. Like, 95% of that movie is practical. Right. I went, I, I watched it, I think, last Christmas, and the whole time I was like, wow, they, like, this is real. Like, they built most, like, the set and everything. Right. There's a few CG scenes of, like, the, the Mount Crump, the outside Mount Crumpet walking up, but, like, Whoville is completely real. It's all built. Yeah, yeah. And I, I do, I do enjoy, um, Apollo 13, or at least I did the last I saw it, which was a very long time ago. And and I I do think there are probably likable things. I just think that as a director, he is deeply uninteresting. Like, I thought Solo was a mess, uh, which I is... I didn't bother. I mean, it was a mess because of the way it was made, but, you know, that's a different conversation for another time. Um, I saw the first like four minutes of backdraft when I was a child at a drive-in theater and didn't know, didn't know I had seen it like years later, saw it coming on TV and had this weird deja vu. I would like to watch that if only because it's Kurt Russell. And I wonder if, uh, Kurt he Russell, right, right. You know, so it's also got De Niro and, and, and there are other eighties movies of Ron Howard that may come up in the future on the podcast. I've, I've heard night shift is very funny. I've not seen Yeah, it. I've heard good things about that one. Um, and Willow, I loved as a kid, but I have not seen in gosh, I've never seen an it. eternity. Yeah, it might be one that we have to like figure out. It's got you know a lot of interesting things that we'd probably enjoy talking about. We'll have to you know yeah. maybe down the road. That's 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 a stay tuned. But man, it's just like every time you could make a boring, uh, boring choice, he does, and that's the part. The exact just, like, film, your mom's book club picture. The exact way your mom's right. book club pictures the book in their heads. Right. 
Right. I just wish like, he's just not a very interesting visual director. And this movie was desperately in need of someone who was visually interesting. So I just a huge boat. Zemeckis would have been, would have been a great choice for this. I thought you were going to say Carpenter. No, the John Carpenter version of this is very dark and twisted. And I also would watch it, but yeah, I, I think Zemeckis is like, like so much more, obviously the correct candidate for this, but in hindsight, super glad it worked out the way it did because he got to make back to the future, which is one of my all time favorite movies. And I would much rather have that than a slightly better cocoon, (laughs) which is like, who knows? Maybe, maybe the, maybe the cinematic cocooniverse would have been great. Yeah, you're right. Who the hell knows? Who the hell knows? Well, that wraps it up for us. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Don't forget to head over to patreon.com slash dissectingthe80s and check us out there. We have a ton of bonus episodes. We just put up a really, really great one last month on Adventures in Babysitting. Tremendously fun. Primo. Yeah, really good stuff. Uh, One of our faves and a a movie that was picked by the folks on Patreon. Uh, You also get a monthly newsletter and a whole bunch of other stuff to check out. So take a peek there and see what uh, makes sense for you. We'd, We'd love to have you over at the Patreon. Uh, that's a great way to support the show. Uh, and if you can't do it financially, do it for free by writing a review of the show, either on iTunes or wherever you get it. Uh, and if you send it, if you do it anywhere but iTunes, just send us a screenshot so we can read it. Because I uh, don't know all of the places that podcasts are posted. It makes it hard to track them down. Or tell two friends. That's Classic right. pyramid scheme. Yes, exactly. I haven't I said that in a while. Can't tell you how many times we've asked someone how they found the show and they say a friend told them. So if you haven't told two friends in a while... Go out and tell two friends about the show and uh, let it, let them know that you like it. That's the best way to find out about stuff is when your friends say, hey, uh, I really like this thing. So if you like this show, tell two friends and uh, spread the word for us. We'd appreciate that. Facebook.com slash Dissectingthe80s and Dissectingthe80s.com are other places you can find us. Uh, we're also on Twitter at Dissectthe80s. Uh, love, to, uh, love to interact with you there. So if you uh, ever get a chance to do that. Uh, please do. So thank you so much for doing that and uh, for checking us out. And thank you for listening. I've been Trip Lano. I will always be Andrew Lano. Until next time. Don't you forget about me. Dissecting the 80s is a chum sum of this production. Ow.